Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, April 11th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the Injective Hackathon panel featuring cross-chain D apps. Let's take a listen. All right, awesome guys. Well, super excited to have both Eric and Saeed here on our first uh, you know, Injective Hackathon panel uh, where we will be discussing cross-chain dapps and kind of the future of DeFi and the you know interoperability layer as well as the composability layer um, that we're so excited to be collaborating with folks such as Wormhole, um, in addition to the you know great Jump team and 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 all the other partners. Um, so with that said, I think probably a, a great place to start would be Eric. Um, you know, if you could give a a, a small introduction of you and an injective, um, and then we can kick it over to Said. Yeah. Hey, guys, this is uh, Eric Chen, uh, co-founder and CEO of uh, Injective Labs. So Injective Labs is a, an active contributor to the Injective blockchain ecosystem. And Injective is a highly interoperable performance blockchain tool for next generation financial applications and DeFi applications. It's on top of Cosmos SDK with uh, smart contracts enabled layer um, secured by a proof of stake mechanism. Awesome. Awesome. And then with that, Saeed, would love to hear uh, kind of, you know, a little bit of the introduction um, to you. Hey guys, um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm Saeed. I work on strategic partnerships at Jump Crypto. Um, so I work with um, a bunch of different protocols at once um, uh, across ecosystems. And uh, I've uh, had the pleasure of working a lot with the, the Injective team over the past year or so with uh, Eric Mirza and Cooper and all of you guys. So um, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, Excited to talk about the topic. I always like talking about cross-chain dApps. I think um, Jump has a pretty strong thesis in terms of um, interoperability between blo between blockchains, um, the ability to not only pass um, data but uh, a whole variety of uh, types of information um, to help kind of make a more uh, cohesive. Uh, global crypto economy rather than these siloed islands that um, have started to, 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 to come together and, and, and get connected. So great topic. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, and thanks for being here with us. Um, so, you know, w with that great intro there from Saeed, Eric, I'd love to kind of kick over the first question to you. And, you know, with the, you know, massive gain of adoption and popularity around cross-chain dApps and specifically, you know, a lot of the dApps built on top of the injective blockchain that utilize a lot of assets that are coming in from, from other blockchains, kind of what challenges and opportunities have you seen developers face um, in specifically the injective space um, as it stands today? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, specifically, there are a lot of advantages when you know, you're trying to go cross-chain or multi-chain for your application. Um, 
generally the trend for any type of uh, um, you know ecosystem or any type of uh, you know technological adoption and uh, evolution means that there's going to be you know more and more customization, more and more uh, specialization, and thanks to Injective's infrastructure, uh, especially uh, around kind of optimized for financial applications, it means that. A lot of the uh, impossible mechanism, a lot of the uh, impossible features on top of uh, Ethereum or any type of you know, scaling solutions uh, that uh, utilizes uh, EVM um, is now possible on top of Injective without losing out on a lot of the kind of uh, underpinning uh, um, kind of uh, advantages of uh, being co-located with a monolithic generalized environment. And one of the key issue whenever an application go, uh, goes multi-chain is Really, first of all, you know, liquidity fragmentation, um, composability, and kind of like the uh, asymptotic uh, flow uh, issue. And so this means that if you deploy your chain, uh, deploy your application on, you know, let's say 10, 10 different chains, um, concentrating or kind of amplifying liquidity to kickstart a platform effect becomes more and more challenging. And also, um, bringing, you know, a lot of the specialized application and capturing a lot of flow to create, you know, like a, a monolithic uh, platform effect also becomes a little bit more challenging. And on top of that, you know, there's a lot of uh, kickstart issues with regards to, you know, fundamental infrastructure uh, that they're missing within, you know, newer chains or um, kind of like a bridging infrastructure that are, you know, yet to be battle tested for newer chains uh, and a, a lot of uh, atomicity uh, between, you know, these type of multi-chain applications. Certainly, you know, those who uh, uh, dare to kind of uh, deploy multi-chain are, uh, you know, uh, it, it's really, you know, like a very much of a, you know, uh, a bold ones. And um, Injector does a lot of work, um, you know, with uh, labs, with uh, a lot of these uh, ecosystem players to make sure that all these uh, issues are resolved and alleviated uh, as much as possible. Um, having, you know, a very, very robust bridging infrastructure like Wormhole, having, um, you know, a lot of uh, internal kind of UX boost and a lot of the native design that contributes to that, like you know, utilizing Ethereum key derivation, utilizing EIP 712 to make sure that, you know, uh, users do not have to even notice that they're you know, hopping between chains uh, and, you know, needing to use the native token and uh, powering, you know, native applications to, you know, not having to use a, a uh, not having to force users to pay for gas fees on a new token, um, and also you know uh, making sure that uh, there are so so much uh, integrations on different types of uh, infrastructure tools like uh, fiat on ramp, like you know, indexing solutions, and on top of that, uh, one very interesting uh, advantage uh, of injective infrastructure is that liquidity is uh, inherently kind of concentrated. And there's this kind of like a chain level kind of uh, uh, exchange module, and also liquidity. Uh, uh, aggregation, you know, market-specific aggregation where uh, any type of application can tap into both the flow and also the liquidity uh, of uh, any type of specific market, allowing them to kind of establish a platform effect and kind of uh, uh, remove any type of the code, uh, code start issue right off the bat. And, you know, this has been demonstrated time and time again uh, with a lot of applications on top of the objective going way back to you know, Dexterium to Wavefleet to ING Dojo, but now, you know, even for uh, um, kind of like a newer mechanisms like Astroport, et cetera, uh, they all had, you know, like a very tremendous uh, start. And Astroport right now is kind of like one of the fastest growing uh, AMM pool um, with the recent deployment on top of Injective. 
Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff, Eric. And then, you know, with that, Saeed, I'd love to kick it over to you and kind of understand, you know, injective and wormhole are really facilitating a lot of this interoperability. You know, even on a personal level, I easily can bridge in my my soul and begin trading on on Helix. Um, so I would love to understand, you know, as you see the current, you know, blockchain ecosystems evolving, you know, exponentially, as well as kind of, you know, the wormhole solutions, what types of applications and interoperability kind of mechanisms are you seeing most exciting at this point in time um, across the ecosystem? Yeah, totally. Um, so I, I think one of the one of the coolest things that I'm seeing um, is it's, it's kind of simple. It's, it's a little bit basic, but I think it's extremely powerful. Um, is just this idea that you can embed all of the critical bridging infrastructure into the DAP itself, right? So you eliminate the need for any user to have to um, go to a, a, a specific place, find out how to use it um, in order for them to ultimately execute whatever they're trying to do on that blockchain. Um, and and so the, the Wormhole teams kind of showed me um, kind of a beta product that that they're they're putting out into the wild that I thought was really really cool. Um, they're calling it Connect, um, and it's a very simple idea. It's like how do we take all of this robust um, infrastructure that they've built, um, decrease the the time for developers to integrate with it so that it can, they can integrate it directly within their DAP. So when they go in, you know, let's say I want to use Astroport on Injective, right? Um, but let's say I'm a, I'm a non-native user, right? I'm, I'm coming from Ethereum. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm hearing that this is the fastest growing AMM right now. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's doing some really cool stuff on Injective. Um, I may have seen something on Twitter. My friend may have, like, sent me a link. Um, but all of my assets are, are, you know, in Ethereum and I've never transacted outside of it, right? Um, I end up landing on Astroport. So with what, you know, with Connect, you know, you, can, you essentially have all of that functionality built directly into the DAP. You know, uh, DAP developers don't actually have to um, reinvent the wheel or find really complex integrations. They can just copy a couple lines of code. Like literally, I think what they told me was four lines of code. And uh, you can customize the, the UI and how it looks and all of those things um, to match your, your DAP's um, design and UX. But for the user, you've just eliminated many steps, um, a whole lot of education. Um, and so when someone's actually coming to your DAP, you can actually convert them without them having to go and jump through a bunch of hoops. Um, it's a simple idea. It's something that's very familiar in the Web2 space. You know, if you've ever done a Stripe integration or you've done like a Twilio integration, like these companies have spent so much time to, de you know, to decrease the, 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 or eliminate the barrier for developers to integrate, you know, extremely robust infrastructure uh, that just kind of works out of the box and gives uh, gives not only the, the, the DAP team what they want, but also gives the users what they want, which is an easy way to interact with the product. Um, so yeah, I think that's one of the most exciting things. I, I think it solves a lot of challenges in terms of um, um, at least one of the major aspects of why people go cross-chain and what they're trying to achieve, which is they're trying to um, make it as frictionless of, uh, as, you know, as, as, you know, minimize as much friction as possible when onboarding new users. 
Um, and I, I think Wormhole is doing a pretty good job um, by working on this product and then releasing this product into the wild. And I can't wait to see it um, kind of proliferate the, the ecosystem and see it on Astroport, on Injective, hopefully, and all of these different things and um, see what the user reaction is to it. Yeah, yeah, no, incredible points there. And, you know, user experience is something that I know that the team at Injective talks about a lot. And, you know, the the better the the experience, you know, the the more potential millions of, of users that we can onboard into the Web3 space for the first time. Um, you know, with that, I'd love to discuss and kind of break into a bit of a tangent. And that's, you know, Eric would love to know how you're seeing kind of latency across these blockchains and 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 that interoperability and you know how seamless you know while on the the user side um a lot of these things can be dumbed down and and the education can be frictionless um but on the tech side you know how the latency continues to kind of you know keep up 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 to pace on that side of things so we'd love to hear kind of some of your thoughts around that yeah uh thankfully injective doesn't really have a you know late latency issue um, and one of the, you know, consistent debate within consensus design is, um, you know, it's, it's typically like a, a flow issue, um, where if you jam a lot of transaction within a single blog, it creates a lot of opportunity in terms of like transaction ordering, et cetera. But, um, one of the things we notice uh, in production is that, uh, when, you know, the, the block time gets us sufficiently fast within, you know, um, a, a sub 10 second, you know, like for injectives case, you know, like a one second level. Uh, the competition for uh, kind of placement and ordering within a block space uh, becomes you know significantly alleviated with a lot more uh, further optimi- uh, optimizations to remove it. And thanks to you know different types of optimizations and you know mechanisms within the in- exchange module that um, um, kind of uh, completely removes the economic incentive of uh, MEV and also um, front running. This kind of uh, creates a. Uh, I would say like ordering agnostic, uh, um, kind of like a, a consensus economics, uh, where you know users uh, care about inclusion rather than um, um, kind of like priority processing, and this certainly you know helped a lot because um, MVV has been you know uh, consistently uh, a very very prominent uh, like sub industry within the Ethereum ecosystem and within you know a lot of EVM ecosystem, uh, but whereas you know for Injective's case this is kind of like a non-issue. And on top of that, um, I would say that, you know, uh, being able to scale horizontally and also uh, being able to, you know, uh, enter into, you know, various scaling solutions like rollups, et cetera, without losing out uh, composability, without losing out, you know, kind of like a lonely uh, island issue uh, is certainly another, you know, major step up. And, uh, you know, one one of the really interesting uh, kind of initiatives uh, that's done within the injective ecosystem is a collaboration with uh, Eclipse on launching kind of uh, the, the cascade uh, layer, which allows for Solana developers to deploy, you know, highly performant uh, applications uh, utilizing, you know, the C-level of a uh, virtual machine environment uh, to deploy, uh, you know, different types of uh, uh, programs that uh, uh, kind of proliferated and gained a lot of uh, adoption on other environments like Solana. And for the first time, you know, bringing it to the objective ecosystem. And for uh, builders on top of objective, this is also, you know, uh, p- potentially can be a kind of scalability environment or scalability solution. Uh, and this will be one of the f- uh, first of many, you know, upcoming kind of like roll up and uh, kind of like a s- scaling measures or, you know, uh, d- development environment um, uh, kind of like a, uh, expansion uh, me- measures. And I would say on top of that, you know, um, uh, reducing the cost and also, you know, increasing the 
uh, throughput of the chain uh, has its limits. Um, basically, you know, beyond a certain point, it, it comes at the cost of, uh, you know, uh, user experience. It comes at the cost of uh, infrastructural stability. It comes at the cost of uh, a lot of different aspects of uh, uh, kind of like the consensus um, mechanism itself. And there are certainly, you know, theoretical limits and uh, of uh, how, you know, how, how fast or how much can uh, a blockchain process. But thankfully, you know, uh, within a lot of the current, you know, uh, consensus mechanisms, uh, uh, it's still an order of magnitude away. And really, the main bottleneck right now is, uh, if, uh, you know, scalable implementations um, and, you know, efficient uh, um, uh, kind of processes. Uh, for example, you know, integration of uh, BLO, BLO signatures can significantly speed up uh, the tournament consensus, et cetera. Uh, so yeah, all, all in all, it, you know, right now, like uh, for a lot of the newer uh, environments, uh, like injective, uh, scalability is certainly you know not uh, not a major concern at all. Um, and you know, what, when it does become like an issue, um, uh, uh, you know, maybe like five or ten years down the road, et cetera, where everyone is uh, you know spending like uh, a million transactions, et cetera, uh, then you know there are you know already multiple like uh, scaling solutions and horizontal. A horizontally scaled, you know, uh, environments for uh, developers to enjoy to uh, to be able to, you know, uh, um, work in these uh, environments without any type of uh, without any type of bottleneck, while at the same time, you know, not lose out any type of composability uh, or any type of uh, liquidity fragmentation. Nice, nice, nice. Thanks for that, Eric. And, and kind of, you know, parlaying into that that question, I kind of, you know, want to discuss how. A lot of these heterogeneous, you know, blockchains and, and networks exist today. Currently, let's assume that you are a, you know, developer, um, you know, arriving to the, the first injective hackathon here that, that just started yesterday. And, you know, how effectively, you know, do you handle smart contract compatibility across chains? Um, you know, we briefly touched on, you know, how you can kind of build in with these wormhole tools, uh, seamless transitions cross chain. Um, but, you know, assuming different smart contract languages and, and compatibility layers, would love to, you know, understand for, for the developers that will be tuning in and listening later today, you know, how execution works across chains on, on a high level. Or I guess, you know, more so just to add on there and, and, and more so of an open question, you know, you're looking to deploy a, a DAP, you know, that, that's interacting seamlessly between Solana and Injective, right? You know, how should you think of the compatibility while enabling kind of the, the wormhole mechanisms? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, let's say you're building a token bridge on top of wormholes interoperability messaging layer, right? Um, um, I think um, essentially, the 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 bridge would always force the trust assumptions of the origin chain, regardless of what chain you're sending to. Um, I think that's a, that's obviously something important for for security. Um, there's also more creative things that that people are working on, and that I've seen across um, you know meeting with different builders in this space where um, they use kind of like a hub and spoke model, where um, you know. I haven't seen one of these actually go live, but it is actually pretty interesting where they're trying to use ETH for finality. And then um, let's say, you know, Solana for security or in, in um, or, or like Solana for low transactions or, or injective because, um, you know, it wants to access the liquidity there. Right. Um, and so there's people who are kind of experimenting with that. Um, I think conversely, like, um, what I've seen a lot of is like, let's say I'm launching a DAP on Injective, 
right? Um, that's my main, you know, smart contract. That's where all my smart contract logic is. Um, that's where I've been audited. Um, but I want to access users and I want people to be able to interact with the DAP um, natively from other chains, right? So I can actually deploy like clients. Um, these are these are just um, very minimal clients that actually can interact with any of the native users from those chains. But really what it's doing, it's, it's using Wormhole's interoperability messaging layer, right? To send messages to that kind of core um, mother smart contract, um, let's say in this example on injective, right? So let's say I want to execute um, a bridge and a swap. Um, I can do that and the UX doesn't change for me. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening in the background, but um, I don't really notice it. I'm just interacting with with uh, with one of the dApps that's built on Injective. Let's say in this case, Helix, right? Um, I think that's really cool. I think it's really cool because as people have, as the space has matured, people have wanted to expand, right? And mainly they, they want to expand so they can compete in new markets for new users, right? Um, in this case, it allows you to do all of those things without the tremendous overhead um, of having to deploy uh, your contract in a bunch of um, dynamic runtimes, a bunch of different um, programming languages, having to get audits for each one of those implementations, having a team that's uh, competent enough to maintain it and stay up to date with it, right? That's a tremendous amount of overhead. Um, so I think that really helps in terms of um, it's, it's, it's more of a strategy, right? Where it's like, this is where, you know, our team has been building um, on Injective. We know what we're doing. We have our, our core user base here, but we want to make sure that our DAP is open to all of these different ecosystems and communities. Um, and so I don't have to go and get, you know, let's say you connect it to every chain on Wormhole. I think Wormhole is now up to 24 chains. Like you don't actually have to do that. You don't have 24 teams, 24 uh, smart contracts, 24 audits. Um, you actually just have one and then you have these light clients that are designed to basically interact and service the user on all these different chains without them having to do really anything except interact with your DAP just like a native user would. Uh, in the back end, you are facilitating, um, you know, basically cross-chain communication so that data actually get sent to to injective and and you know you can send all kinds of data right um, you know pith for example sends pricing data in this example you could be sending a smart contract instruction um, as well as sending you know token value cross chain um, so yeah I think you know I hope that kind of answered the question a little bit if you want I can go a little bit um, deeper on you know how a wormhole message is actually passed from one chain to another, if that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that would be, you know, incredibly helpful for, for some of the de developers to kind of understand. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, great points all around of, you know, a lot of the, the dApps I think that we see specifically within the Cosmos ecosystem, 
um, are looking to, you know, and even, you know, more so cross chain outside of the IBC community are now, you know, have that similar thesis to not being siloed to, to one ecosystem and really getting themselves in front of as many users as possible and as many communities. And, you know, this can go so much further than just IBC and just the cosmos and, you know, th- you know, and powered by the, these types of wormhole solutions. Yeah, so I would, would I love would, to, to dive over. Yeah, there. on that point is like, I've actually noticed that um, developers within the cosmos most world are just like very attuned to, to to some of these ideas just because of IBC. I mean, I think I think the meme with IBC was it was like Internet of Blockchains, and I think that's broadly true, right? That's like what people expect the future to look like. They don't expect these like siloed, independent islands to operate. They actually want to see you know real networking infrastructure that connects all of these different blockchains together in a meaningful way, where you can actually do the things that you want to do. Um, and for, for, for chains like Injective, for example, like taking that, you know, that confidence step forward and saying like, I'm going to connect to 24 chains, I'm going to connect to the broader world and, and, and dApps are going to build on Injective, but they're not going to be, you know, our moat isn't that you chose to build on Injective, right? Our moat is our technology, the ability for you to create some amazing type, uh, types of, um, applications and all of the cool stuff that's here, right? Um, Everyone is incentivized and, and understands that they not only incentivize, but they have the ability to go attract um, users from any chain. And I, I think that's really powerful. And I've, I've noticed that in the Cosmos world, that that's, that's kind of how people already think within the IBC world. And it's not a huge stretch to think of it as like, okay, well, I want to connect to Aptos, Sui, Solana, all these different runtimes, right? The Ethereum world. Um, so I, I think that's that's been an interesting thing that I've noticed. Likewise, likewise. And, 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 you know, outside of that, I, I, you know, guess to jump into another side of it, um, we're finally seeing everyone come around to, you know, really the concept of, you know, using these solutions to go cross chain and cater to all these different audiences for their DAP um, and not being so siloed, as we just mentioned. But given that, I also think it's very important to now discuss the the security um, and you know Injective is super proud to be partnered with the Wormhole team as they value security um, and have a ton of initiatives that I'm sure Saeed could touch on. But I'd love to you know start with Eric and then head over to Saeed in terms of when determining which solutions to use, how to prioritize security um, in that decision making process. Sorry, uh, uh, could you roll back like uh, uh, the last five seconds? Yeah, uh, I think yeah, there's yeah. some connection issue on my end. Oh. No worries, no worries. Just generally speaking, um, you know, how, you know, when prioritizing these different types of bridging solutions in the cross-chain environment for developers um, that are deploying, you know, their their dApp anywhere and accessing new users from, um, you know, what is the priority when it comes to bridging solutions um, with, with, in terms of security? Um, So, you know, as it, as it, you know, as it specifically uh, you know, is is touching on security. What are kind of the most important considerations you see when you know when choosing and working with Wormhole? Yeah, I, I think you know security is oftentimes privatized, and there's no such thing as like perfectly secure. Um, you know, co- coming from uh, more of a, a cryptography background, um, basically, you know, one thing that is certain in life is that there is no such thing that's uh, absolute, uh, absolutely secure. And everything has kind of like a risk assumption and security assumption. Um, 
for example, um, you know, Shot two fifty six, Shot three, you know, uh, all the elliptic curve signatures all have uh, kind of like a security parameter, which means that, you know, um, under which and which assumption um, or or under you know which and which uh, probability this uh, uh, this uh, you know the, this primitive or this algorithm is absolutely secure. And um, uh, the good thing is that most of the time these type of uh, uh, you know something as you know uh, widely adopted as uh, uh, you know like uh, uh, cryptographic uh, primitives are highly secure. Um, it, you know uh, so their security parameters is basically one in the number of uh, atom in the universe. Um, so this means that you know unless you have computational power uh, or you know unless you have you know like a certain um, uh, uh, unless you're insanely lucky where uh, you know, you, uh, you 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 exceed that odd. Um, that that uh, uh, that specific uh, algorithm is uh, hyper secure, and this also means that you know um, things out there uh, like uh, you know bridging solutions, like different types of infrastructure tools, any type of you know uh, um, kind of tool that requires uh, security um, are, are are never absolute. It, it all has you know cause of corruption, cause of attack. It all has, you know, like uh, different types of security assumptions. As long as, you know, um, everything stays within that security assumption, it's secure. Um, and it's really critical to look at, you know, what are, what are the specific uh, security assumptions. Uh, and this also has to go into the practicality and also, you know, um, um, kind of like the uh, uh, implementation of it. Uh, and, you know, just because it has a very, very sound design, it doesn't mean that uh, absolute security, you also have to look at the different uh, uh, implementation or how it's uh, being carried out in practice. So all in all, I, I would say, you know, like Wormhole uh, is one of the most uh, secure, you know, candidates out there uh, with their, you know, bridge design, et cetera. And uh, basically a lot of the kind of uh, different aspects of uh, the Wormhole design allows for risk isolation. So, you know, in the event of, uh, a certain exploit, et cetera, um, it, it can allow for, you know, kind of like a, a, a containment of uh, risk within kind of like a, a, a asset channel pair. And then on top of that, um, I, I would say that, you know, a lot of bridging solutions out there are, you know, probably the most, uh, uh, probably the sweetest honeypot for a lot of uh, hackers and exploiters, uh, just because, you know, uh, all the assets are all um, basically being, uh, uh, kind of like dominated or like co-located within kind of like one origin or one surface area. Uh, and this means that the security uh, uh, like investment or kind of like the design has to be uh, symmetrical to the asset, you know, under custody or asset, uh, you know, being held with the, those bridges, right? And, you know, Wormhole uh, uh, is one of the very, very few solutions out there that has, you know, very much sound design where the cost of corruption and, you know, uh, operational kind of uh, uh, exploit uh, uh, or operational security uh, are, you know, kind of like almost in a sense, like over collateralized against kind of like the potential like uh, exploit value. Um, and I think, you know, over time, you're going to see, you know, more and more uh, sound bridge designs, more and more uh, kind of like a security, uh, uh, kind of like security innovations within the bridging ecosystem uh, developed by these, you know, uh, top teams, et cetera. And, uh, People are going to see, you know, uh, uh, basically, you know, bridge, bridging solutions out there that are uh, that, that has been around for a long time that has, you know, uh, sound safety mechanisms are just going to win out uh, purely from, you know, not only just survivability uh, perspective, but also from, you know, uh, um, 
uh, user trust perspective. Nice, nice. Would love to hear any thoughts from you as well, Said. Yeah, I mean, I think Eric did a great job of kind of hitting all of the the major major points on that front. I can expand on a few. Um, I mean, we we always hear this in a space, right? Um, you know, people say, "Hey, we're battle hardened," or um, you know, and, and then you you ask yourself, like, what does that actually mean? Right. I think Eric did a good job of saying like nothing is 100% secure. All you can judge is on the implementation, the design, the architecture, and the history. Right. Um, I think I think wormhole. You know, um, you know, it, it, it going through the history that it has. Right. And 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 locking up the amount of TVL that it's had. I, I it must be the most. Uh, you know, this is this is obviously speculation on my part, but I, I feel pretty. I would I would bet on this. Uh, you know, it's probably the most viewed um, code base. It's completely open sourced. It's it's probably the most viewed code code base by White Hack and uh, uh, you know black uh, black hat uh, you know hackers out there. Uh, not only because it it had uh, a huge bug bounty, um, you know, so so it. Definitely, people were incentivized to 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 kind of try to break it, um, and then it had its 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 history, right? Um, so I, I think that's an interesting thing, right? Like, how do you how do you assess the 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 trustworthiness of a product? How do you assess when someone claims to be battle hardened? Uh, I'm not saying that that wormholes claimed that, but just when we kind of look at these things that have um, uh, somewhat of a relative long history in the space. Um, I would say that it's probably the, one of the most viewed code bases in the world. And that kind of makes me feel better, right? It makes me feel better that there's such large incentives for people to try to break this thing. Um, and it's, 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 uh, it's been operational and it, not only that, but it's been incre increasing its safety um, features and, and security set, right? Uh, one of the things that, that Eric kind of touched on was, was the governor, right? It's like this implementation that they have um, where the guardians um basically can set effectively rate limits right on on notional flows of assets for any given token um so let's say you know you know the the you know this is this is a new network that wormhole's adding right um if if the 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 contract there has any issues right there's effectively a cap there's a there's a limit on the daily um transactional uh, notional value that can be bridged out of that that ecosystem um, that helps decrease the surface area um, of an exploit. I think users really like that. I like seeing those types of features, right? Especially when it's implemented in a decentralized way, right? Uh, this isn't one entity that gets to choose these limits, change these limits, um, uh, or enforce these limits. Like this is the entire. Um, Guardian set the, the the 19 nodes, some of the largest validators in the space, you know, Figment, um, staking facilities, staked, all of these different um, uh, massive validators that you see um, securing a lot of the proof of stake uh, networks that, 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 that we, we know and love, right? Um, so I think that's really important is, and, and I think that's an innovation that people welcome um, in, that, in that space. Um, at the same time, you can actually have uh, the ability to, you know, the, the, the wormhole guardians have the ability to set uh, a delay, like fixed finality delay for specific transactions, right? Um, like specifically, the parameter is 
you know, let's say the size of the, the transaction. Okay, if, if, if someone's trying to transfer 100 million notional through the bridge, uh, there's some delay imposed so that people can ensure that, you know, this is a crazy amount, let's make sure that it's legitimate, it's not the result of an exploit on chain, it's not a result of an issue with the bridge. Um, I think all of these features are really good, really, really powerful, and um, give confidence not only to build it, to, to DAP builders, but also to users. Um, and it's good to see them uh, kind of continue uh, expanding uh, the security set. There's also uh, another thing, they're launching a, a Cosmos chain um, called WormChain. That chain is fundamentally there just for something that they call global accounting, which is how do we make sure that we have an accurate read of assets across the entire wormhole network? So all 24 chains and counting, you know, how do we make sure that the assets that are locked up on, on, on this chain and the assets that are, you know, minted on that chain? So anyone who's building a token bridge has access to this, this, this powerful feature. And so you can definitely prevent um, some of the, the more um, common types of attack, right? Um, um, because now you have access to that and, 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 and you, have a, you have something that, 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 is allowed, that is able to give you um, uh, a comprehensive view of state across um, a bunch of these dynamic runtimes and ecosystems. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no spot on, awesome, awesome stuff. So kind of, you know, bringing in a, a new topic here, we've really discussed kind of some of the possibilities and all the things that can be enabled um, by building a DAP that, that you know, adds in the, the features of Wormhole as well as the security and how important that is and all the great things that Wormhole is doing there. So, uh, you know, flipping into our last topic here, I kind of wanted to discuss the business side more so. Um, and that's, you know, for the first time we're seeing DAPs and as well as chains be able to access users from other blockchains. Um, you know, Eric noted uh, the special signature scheme that Injective utilizes for kind of MetaMask users to easily onboard to Injective. But I'd love to, you know, kick it over to Eric to start. You know, how do you view kind of, you know, the community communicating um, with other types of chains, whether that be cross-chained, you know, dApps that are deployed elsewhere, um, deployed on Injective, or, you know, foundations that, you know, all these types of collaborations now exist for, for you know, pretty much the first time. And how can these different types of blockchains not kind of compete against each other, but compete together to, to you know, one common goal? I think, you know, uh, really reducing the gap uh, between, you know, blockchains, um, really, you know, making sure that uh, the the requirement for atomicity for you know uh, cross-chain or multi-chain applications, um, and on top of that, you know, uh, having a very very robust communication infrastructure, bridging infrastructure, um, and also you know composability uh, uh, kind of layers between you know all these uh, chains are absolutely critical because then you're going to have like a eventual uh, or you know very very rapid like competitive equilibrium where a certain chain will have uh, kind of like concentration of a, spe a specific vertical uh, or a specific tool and infrastructure to alleviate the concern for uh, liquidity fragmentation or kind of like a, a, a toolkit fragmentation uh, where, you know, in, in, in a simple analogy, you know, within the current Cosmos space, there, there are chains out there that are like, uh, uh, like Juno, et cetera, that has a permissionless, you know, Cosmos smart contract environment and a lot of developers will, you know, de deploy there and, uh, you know, other chains will not, uh, we'll likely not, you know, try to kind of uh, 
uh, half uh, a similar uh, uh, cosmosm environment and try to say like, hey, like, you know, don't don't do it on Juno, do it on us, et cetera. Um, because, you know, for uh, for for a developer's case and for a chain's uh, case, you know, it's uh, it's better for them to specifically focus on one vertical or one sector uh, rather than, you know, uh, trying to replicate uh, what every other chain uh, has, like the or or unique thing that every other chain has. So I, I think like over time, you know, you're going to see more and more specialization um, of uh, community, of uh, utility, of applications within every single chain. Once uh, basically the the gap or the barrier, uh, 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 you know, hopping between chains, uh, you know, uh, uh, crossing application deployment uh, becomes a lot more seamless. Nice, nice. And Saeed would love to, you know, hear your thoughts as well as how, you know, these blockchains really collaborate together as well as the dApps collaborate together to to create a much more seamless multi-chain environment. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think we've touched on a lot of this stuff on 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 this call. Like it's it ultimately comes down to um, trying to do what's best for the user, right? And thinking from that perspective. Right, um, being confident in, in the uh, in the underlying tech that you're building, whether it's at the L1 level or at the DAP level, um, and 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 really trying to give your developer ecosystem um, all of the tools necessary to be able to be um, to bring in that activity, to bring in those users, to to service them in the best way possible. Um, to expose the things that you guys are building, like I, I just fundamentally believe in that, right? I, I, you know, we we all maybe have backgrounds from 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 you know traditional tech, right, or, or web two or web one. Like without that that um, critical ingredient, uh, the interoperability, the open access, the ability for anyone to interact with anything. Um, regardless of, of of hardware or um, some of the other kind of arbitrary um, uh, limitations, you know, I think it, you know, the, the the crypto world looks really different than what we're used to, right? And doesn't really get the the benefits of scale, right? Um, benefits of scale is that you can access the entire world, right? We like to say that about crypto. It does solve that for a bunch of different stuff. Um, but within crypto, I think it's also important. I, I think um, I think if you were to have this conversation a year ago or a year and a half ago, this would be really, you know, weird, right? People were still not, you know, thinking in that way. Like everyone was building in their isolated ecosystems, thinking about um, these 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 kind of separate environments, and and. Um, and you still have a tremendous amount of tribalism in this space where people are just like, yeah, this is the best and everything else is, is trash. Um, yeah, I, I, I generally don't like, don't, don't agree with those arguments. I think you're missing a lot of the nuance and uh, you're, you're not understanding that all of the, the stuff that's being built out there is, is you know, there's a lot of uh, trade-offs. There's a lot of um, value judgments that are being made. Uh, there's a lot of bets being placed on what people want and what's actually valuable to them. And I think that's the kind of ecosystem environment that um, that that makes sense for this space, that makes sense for 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 this this uh, this technology industry. Um, I think it's something that Jump believes in really is is kind of open, um, um, you know, interoperability being key, composability being key. These are, you know, uh, 
these are some of the core things of what made, you know, originally Bitcoin and crypto uh, extremely interesting to people, right? The ability to, 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 to cross borders and um, to be able to facilitate all of these um, things that require trustless in, uh, intermediaries um, just vanishing overnight. And I think, um, I think as you bring more and more people into the space, regardless of where they're coming from, you want your ecosystem and your adapt developers to be able to access those people. So um, those are the things that I, I really care about. I think it's really cool. I've seen the shift over the past year where everyone is thinking in this way. <clears throat> that wasn't the case when, you know, I started looking at this and I started talking about this and when I met the wormhole team and, um, you know, that, that this was still kind of like a, a niche idea. Now I think it's like, you know, uh, far higher on the, you know, on the priority list for, for developers and builders out there. So uh, excited to see, I mean, you know, it's, it's awesome to see the progression. We don't really talk about the progression of like people actually building cross-chain and interconnecting all of these different um, environments, um, but it is happening and it's happening not only on the L1 level, it's, it's happening on the L2 level, it's happening on the DAP level, it's happening on the infrastructure level. Um, people are thinking more and more seriously about it. And I think it's because they, they're starting to see that there is a tremendous amount of value there. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, now kind of, you know, I think we've touched on a lot of great points here today and, you know, really appreciate both of everyone's insights, um, you know, for all the developers building in the first, um, you know, injective hackathon, global hackathon, which was started yesterday, which you can find more information on um, at, you know, injective slash hackathon, as well as all over our Twitters as well. Um, but, but you know, thanks to both Eric and Saeed being, uh, you know, esteemed judges of this, you know, hackathon, would love to hear from you guys specifically on kind of the wormhole bounty. You know, what are you guys hoping to to see be built? What are some cool ideas that were kind of kicking around in your minds for any developers who may have not already started? Um, and, you know, when you guys, you know, if you had an extra, you know, certain amount of time, what would you like to see built um, on the alpha side um, to, you know, would love to, Eric, maybe start with you and then kick over to Saeed. Um, I, I would say like one really important or like one really uh, um critical piece of uh, kind of like cross-chain composability infrastructure is uh, kind of like a cross-chain instruction layer. So, you know, first of all, like, let's say you have like a, a meta account abstraction, uh, which means that, you know, your address on multiple chains are all kind of like assigned to you know, a specific address uh, or all uh, interlinked together. Um, let's say I have an address on Injective, I have an address on Ethereum, et cetera. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I can establish like a meta identity uh, in this cross-chain environment to, you know, one specific account abstraction or like an address abstraction, uh, which, you know, hey, like I, I own all these addresses or, you know, all these addresses are uh, uh, kind of connected to me. And from that point on, <clears throat> you basically get to have kind of cross-chain instruction where, you know, instruction coming from, let's say, a wormhole chain or coming from an injective uh, can be relayed and then executed on top of uh, Ethereum. Uh, and then, uh, automated or in a kind of like a um, kind of like a I would say like a, a, a in like an on-chain fashion, and this basically kind of uh, removes a lot of the complexity and removes a lot of the fundamental barriers around uh, enabling cross-chain comp uh, composability. And you know, Cosmos has some version of this with uh, interchain accounts, but uh, um, and you know, Wormhole also has you know the concept of uh, X account. 
But one of the main issues behind this is that you know more development is required to you know fully leverage this uh, capability by having you know kind of this uh, uh, cross chain interchain um, uh, instruction layer to be able to uh, basically distribute uh, uh, instruction across all of these chains. Uh, where let's say like I want to do like a cross chain transaction of borrowing on a, a, a certain chain, making a trade on injective, uh, and then you know like. Uh, uh, bridging it out to uh, uh, repay, you know, some some loan on, let's say, Ethereum. Um, this should all be done, you know, within one transaction rather than like a uh, asynchronous um, uh, kind of like a multi-transaction that requires a lot of uh, uh, interactive nightmare. Nice, nice. Any <laughs> any alpha to drop on the gang side? I mean, I like that last that last answer by uh, by Eric. I think that's that's really cool, right? I want to see I want to see stuff like that. Right, where you can you can essentially leverage um, Wormhole's uh, kind of like just just infrastructure to be able to give experiences on the on the on, on the transaction level, right? Um, where you're doing a bunch of disparate operations all in the same transaction. There may be some 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 um, some gas optimizations as a result of that. There may be some cool things that 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 are benefits for the user, right? Not only being able to tap all of these different, um, you know, uh, markets or, or 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 capabilities, but doing that all in one thing in service of one end, I think is really cool. So, um, if anyone you know is is building something at, at that level, like I'd love to see it. So. Nice, nice, nice. Awesome. Well, hopefully, you know, with that said, that parlays into a great ending here is that, you know, I want to remember uh, that everyone here can remember that we're hosting a wormhole uh, workshop this afternoon at 1pm. Make sure to join the discord channel um, and have, you know, go through a hands on tutorial. And you can participate in that bounty program as well. Um, so again, you know, this space was recorded. Um, we're super lucky to have both Eric and Saeed, as noted, you know, esteemed judges of, of this year's Injective Hackathon um, on with us today. Um, and, you know, with that, would, you know, love to kind of wrap up and, and give, you know, final final kind of thoughts to both Eric and Saeed um, and, you know, any last remarks to developers building in this year's hackathon. Super excited. I'm excited to see what, what comes out, man. Um, and definitely go check out yeah. that that wormhole workshop, guys. Um, uh, it's it's if you're at all interested in, in building some of these capabilities that we talked about today, um, it's a it's a really great opportunity to um, to to not only learn but actually you know get ideas for what would be really cool. Awesome, awesome, guys. Uh, with that, you know, I think we'll wrap things up again. You know, any questions or you know, head over to Injective slash Hackathon. Check out our Twitter. Take a look in the Discord. Again, we're just about two hours away, um, you know, just over two hours away from, from this great wormhole uh, work, workshop, which will be occurring in the Discord. So appreciate everybody's time um, and, and looking forward to another AMA and, and exciting stuff soon. Um, you know, have, have a great rest of your week, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Injective Hackathon panel discussing cross-chain dApps. Recorded on Tuesday, April 11th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate 
and show some support, meow. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. All aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke blows in when I start a session. Blink canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain got the taxes included Acting like a writer never felt secluded Another fixed game of try my luck Oh, lighten up, dog. It could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss-up, driver or just tweakers Don't stress, yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor We take a little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble Spaces.